Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's I'm Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. So, Also joining me this week, the man himself, Lavender Gooms. Did you guys know that on this date in 1935, the first canned beer went on sale? Oh yeah, of course we did. I thought it was 1934, Wait. personally. So, I don't know. You might want to no, check No, you know it's 35, Bobby. I, thought it, I, I still think it's 34. I wonder where Mike's getting his facts from. No, it's from on this day in history.com. Also, in 1972, on this day, a Japanese soldier who had been hiding for 28 years was found on the island. He still thought World War II was going on. Yeah, that's crazy sauce. That's right. That's why <laughs> Lavender Gooms is here. Ladies and gentlemen, hope you all had a good weekend. I had a great one. Because you know what? Fucking evil was vanquished. <laughs> I was gonna say good triumphed evil. <laughs> <laughs> good triumphed evil. <laughs> Q Aaron himself was slayed by uh, the 49ers, aka Throw Rogan, aka Aaron Rodgers. We took that motherfucker out. I really hey, like hey, the throw I really like the uh the the Throw Rogan nickname. That makes me very happy. I don't know that was a thing until last week either. It's a good one though. Um, yeah, but stuff me like might talk about the 49ers a little bit. Um, and honestly, uh, good did per- seem to prevail in the UFC main event, depending on uh, your worldview, I guess. Not- I, I want to be clear that that's what I was co signing. I didn't care about this football bullshit that I unknowingly co signed on when I well, said no, I mean, look, I mean, I talk about the man, you know what, the man? Corporation this we're gonna weekend. talk. Look, I do get the impression, uh, Cyril God was just we're talking about Nganu, folks. That's the show today. We're talking about Nganu. We'll mention Figueroa and his... I mean, I don't want... We want to give Henry Cejudo's team credit, but good Lord. Anything outside of the actual fight training is infuriating. Um, we're going to be talking about Nganu mostly. Um, you almost felt like Cyril Gan was just like... It was like Drago in Rocky IV. He's not fighting for these other people. He fights for himself. And then, you know, <laughs> he was a tool being used. Minus the killing Apollo part. He was basically Drago, you know? That role. Um, yeah. Um, we got ourselves an interesting situation, folks. The UFC heavyweight champion of the world doesn't have to, is, is, is under contract until the end of the year. And then that's it. He can leave. And uh, they'll probably strip him of the title, quite frankly, before that happens. If they're, you know, that's going to happen, but that's a whole. I give, I give it like two months. I mean, they waited three months to make a interim champ last time. So, see, I can't wait for Tai Tuivasa versus Derek Lewis to be for the new UFC champion, heavyweight championship, guys. Woo! It's going to be great. Um, Okay. Let's talk about the fight itself, though, guys. Um, Cyril Gaon, the betting favorite. Um, Mike, I hope you can keep track of Chalk's record this year, by the way. Um Cyril Gaon, the betting favorite, uh, took on uh, Francis Ngannou, the current reigning champion. A um, lot of history as former training partners. Um, 
Francis, you, uh, you, you previously being part of the same gym as Cyril, you know, the coach still being there, Fernand Lopez. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on. We'll get into that. But just, you know, people went into this fight, Marcus, thinking, all right, well, we got the power. We got, you know, on, on the most, on a, maybe like an unfair way of putting it, but a real uh, brains versus brawn thing people were really characterizing this as, as how Francis was just going to muscle him if he was going to win or Cyril's going to be very technical. Um, we, we saw that for a little, I guess. But yeah, why don't you talk about what happened in this fight? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, when we did our picks last week, I picked Gone because I did think stylistically in the stand-up, it was going to be a difficult fight for Francis. And I think your analysis, and I think a lot of people's analysis of it, you know, being a more tactician versus someone that, you know, has just incredible power isn't too far off of, you know, what we especially saw in those first two rounds where, you know, uh, Cyril was able to dictate a lot of the uh, the spacing and the striking was able to, you know, land the cleaner strikes, uh, dictate a little bit more of the fight. Um, but even then, there was some interesting stuff. You know, early on, Francis tried to pressure him, uh, get him up against the cage and gone, went for a shot, got a clinch. And it definitely seemed like, you know, the strategy on Gon's side was to initiate clinches, try to get Francis tired when they weren't clinched up, you know, use his uh feet you know his footwork to you know get out of distance use lateral movement to you know stay away from the cage pepper him with shots from the outside and steal rounds that way which is very much you know the strategy he's used for a lot of his fights and has proved to be quite difficult for a lot of people to puzzle together and it seemed like he was you know aptly using that strategy to win the first two rounds you know i think fairly convincingly you know they weren't super dynamic rounds you know they weren't the most exciting rounds but Cyril was able to you know outstrike him outpace him and control most of the fight and where we really saw you know a giant pivot in how this fight was playing out was in the third where Francis you know was a little bit more aggressive and you know very early on in the fight you know caught a, a kick to the body slammed Cyril gone to the ground and from what I vaguely remember from that third round basically controlled the rest of the round on the ground real quick uh, shout out to Cormier uh, giving a shout out to Big Van Vader with the yes, I with remember the, that, too. that was, was the, like, that power slam. But honestly, I was thinking, I'm like, I thought you were gonna go more Ron Simmons or I don't know Goldust even. But you know, Vader getting love on no, the, Vader, the Vader's a more apt. I mean, you can't go Ron Simmons. No one's gonna know who the well, hell he's talking. Ron about. Simmons <laughs> won the championship with a goddamn power slam like that. But Bobby, not not when people that are you know what. Shout out to Cormier is, giving is, some is WCW Ron love. Simmons a is, is that like a WWE thing or a UFC thing? No, Ron Simmons no. was a uh, Farouk, and then but he we've, oh. it's a complex. Oh. He was the first okay. ever black wrestling champion ever. But whatever, Mark. Sorry, Farouk? continue. Really? <laughs> Depending on who you ask, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that was really the that takedown really kind of curbed the rest of the fight, and we saw Francis, you know, not only his evolution as a mixed martial artist, but his ability to make those adjustments in the fight. You know, he needed to do something different. He couldn't just stand on the outside and hope to land his big shot. He needed to find a way to change the whole landscape of the fight and change the pace. And the takedowns did that, you know, and then in, in the four, and even in that round, I think he Cyril was able to get his way back up. And I think that was around. He also, Francis also scored a double leg. So Francis really had to utilize more of his offensive wrestling, which in his last fight, you know, we all started shitting bricks when he sprawled on Stipe, but it's a different thing to, learn how to sprawl and defend a takedown than it is to complete takedowns in and of themselves. Yeah, uh, Steph, um, I was watching the fight and texting Steph while, we were, while I was watching it. And, and Steph put it in our group chat too, but he said like, it was a real like, 
you know, Happy learned how to putt. Uh-oh, Happy learned how to putt moment when Francis was using offensive grappling and takedowns and stuff. And honestly, it was almost like a, it's almost like a, a bit of a joke where like it talks about like where heavyweight MMA is at, where we're like, people are shocked that the heavyweight champion of the world like knows MMA. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I don't want to break down, get involved in, you get messed up your breakdown here. But like, you think about it on some level, like why wouldn't he know how to do some grappling? Like he's the goddamn heavyweight champion, but. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, we, <laughs> we have champions that have been much more technical. You can look at a Cain Velasquez who kind of knew it all. But you, you, we say that about Francis because he hasn't needed to rely on these other aspects of the sport. His ability to capitalize on mistakes with his power and his striking was enough to basically, you know, almost capture the belt. You know, he needed to learn these other aspects to eventually be able to beat Stipe. And he needed to evolve those skills even more so to defend his belt against uh, Gon. So I think what was interesting is, you know, it wasn't just wrestling takedowns. You know, he got a wizard trip, which is more of a judo uh, attempt on a takedown in the fourth round. Uh, back control in the fourth round where Cyril kind of went for a uh, knee bar. And what I thought was really interesting, Bob, and, and you shared this in our group chat. Uh, I, do you know who the guy that tweeted it? The Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, like what his handle I'll, I'll is or whatever? I'll try to find it while you're talking about it. Go ahead. Okay, because in the fourth round, I mean, I'm sorry, in the fifth round, basically at that point we had it 2-2. Whoever wins the fifth is going to win the fight. And Cyril Gaon, you know, showed his ability to get the fight to the ground. He took Francis down and he was basically, you know, and then I think a lot has been talked about Francis's wrestling and it, it, it warrants it. You know, he's definitely shown that he's grown in that avenue. Um, but when he was on his back, he showed a lot of his jujitsu. You know, he was trying to go for a triangle, which ultimately failed. and most people, I would say the vast majority of the fans, including myself and including other video breakdowns that I've heard, thought that Cyril Gaon made a critical mistake when he was in Francis's guard and went for a leg lock. That's absolutely what I thought. Yeah, the person you're referring to, it's uh, Kev, like Kevin, but Kev <laughs> Jitsu, who's a brown belt, 1-0 amateur MMA fighter fighting out of American Top Team uh, Portland. Are, yeah. you're for, are you referring to the part where... Uh... Francis ended up sweeping him. Yeah, because I mean, I think everyone he wasn't getting credit for that, Mike. Yeah, sorry, Mark, but like he wasn't yeah, like it. It really changes how you feel about Cyril Gaon and his fight IQ, which a lot of people criticize. Like, oh, why in the fifth round when you have top position did you go for a leg lock? Which a lot of us thought. And then you know, Bobby shared this tweet, and this guy basically said like he didn't go for a leg lock. Francis swept him. If you look, and then he showed the video, and you can clearly see Francis blocked the leg. Uh, Gone did not have a post to stop the sweep, and he initiated that. It was not, you know, it wasn't Cyril going back for a leg lock. It was, it was Francis pulling off a sweep from guard, which is another thing, which is not an easy thing to do. It's one thing to learn it on the mat. It's another thing to pr do it in fight. In, in probably the most critical fight, in the critical moment of that fight, was to reverse that position. It, it basically won. Francis, the fight, he was able to control the rest of the the round from top. You know, and, it's and win the judge's decision. You know, it's interesting because I before I shared that I shared that like uh, the corner advice. Um, by the way, the UFC didn't get their money money's worth from the guy translating the French corner. Like it was it was terrible. It wasn't getting anything good out of it. But people who were watching who spoke French said at the end of the fourth round, the stuff coming out of Francis uh, out of a uh, Cyril's corner was panic basically. Like uh, Fernand Lopez was saying, "Bro, we're losing this fight." Do something, please. I don't want to lose against this guy. We can't lose. It's impossible. So after I heard that, I was immediately thinking like, oh, that's why he went for the fucking leg lock. Because he's like, 
Uh, you know, you're in the middle of a fight. You don't know you're two, two, three, one. You know what I mean? Like, he probably thought, I got to finish this motherfucker. You know? That's why I thought the leg lock thing. But then, like, it turns out, you know, as we read, the leg lock wasn't, it wasn't that he was going for a leg lock. He got swept. So. Yeah. I mean, and that made the, the whole difference of the fight. You know, from that point on, Francis was able to get top control, uh, maintain it, and basically win the, win the fight that way just by, you know, controlling. So, I mean, overall, I think we can all agree, like, you know, wasn't the best heavyweight title fight we saw but given just the dramatic turn of events it was entertaining you know i think the fight overall was still fun to watch it wasn't like a barn burner or anything but it was interesting to see how things developed and it was interesting to see francis francis's evolution and him using these new skills that he's obviously learned to to you know not just a great effect to to retain a title you know which is fantastic and i think you know at the end of the day when you talk about him leaving his camp. I think it's always a good decision to get other people's perspectives and training and learn new facets of the game. And I think it's hard not to point at that and be like, yeah, his grappling definitely took a, st- uh, a step up and you kind of have to credit the camp and the, the evolution yeah, that out. they've been able to put on him. Shout out to Dewey Cooper, Eric Nixick, extreme couture, apparently alive and well, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that was I was making a joke at first, and I think I tweeted at the It's an Amazing account where, well, Francis moved to the U.S. to learn how to grapple, you know. But I think it was around the fourth round where I was like sitting there, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, Gone didn't fight anybody who knows how to grapple, and I'm looking up his record, and I'm like, there's not a lot of like heavyweight yeah, Cain Velasquez, there's, there's but I was looking for I was looking for the exact name you were you mentioned to me today at work, where I'm like, did he fight Curtis Blades? Yeah, he didn't fight I mean, Curtis the Blades. Other grapple. He didn't fight Curtis Blades. I'm like. Part of me wants to see him fight Curtis Blades now. I just want to know where mm-hmm. we're at. Give give Curtis Blades five rounds at Francis and got it. At um Cyril gone. Um 48-47, What the fuck on that third one? I think honestly, I don't know how we Wasn't got. Wasn't it? It was pretty unanimous that um, Francis had lost the first two rounds, right? Well, not according <laughs> to um, Sal D'Amato, who gave the well, first round. Of, who gave the first round to Francis? You know, honestly, of the media members, um, oh, the guy at the New York Post gave it to Gone, which, that, if you don't think about the New York Post, that feels about right. That, um, yeah, that, um, that doesn't surprise me. We got me. about six MMA reporters who did give it four to one for Nganu. Everybody else, like 20 others, gave it to uh, gave it to Nganu at three rounds to two. Um, we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to lay out in a second here everything we were facing, but Mike... Just, do we just come out of this fight, like, I I came out of this fight just, you know, just from the fight itself, not even talking about the outside struggles. I always talk about how much I love it when, like, a guy, you can tell plan A didn't work, when a champion figures out plan A didn't work and they have to go to plan B. Yep. I don't think we ever had that before with Francis. Like, it was like, it's almost like a champion moment, you know? It's like, like, when you have to dig deep moment, and, like, we never had, I don't think we had that before with Francis in any of his fights. Well, We've had a moment in a fight where Francis uh, encountered adversity. It, it didn't go so well. Called, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was called his first title fight yeah. um, against uh, against Stipe. Uh-huh. Um, he had never encountered something like Stipe. He didn't have a, a, a plan B. He had just been the destroyer, the anni- annihilator with, uh, with his stand-up. Um, this time, we saw something different, and that comes from experience and... Well, it's been like what three, four years since since that fight. He's a yeah. completely different fighter at this. You point. know, you. I think everybody should listen to Ariel Hawani's interview with uh, Nganu, which because I'm about to reference it a bunch here. But 
when Nganu today, I'm not sure if you guys heard this part where he said, at the end of the third round, I saw, I'm paraphrasing, where he says, I saw, I looked across at Gon after the third round and I said, that was me in the, in, in the Stipe fight, the first Stipe fight. He's done. Like that moment he thought, I mean, maybe he's just paw talking now, but like at the end of the third round, he's like, I've got him. I've, you know, he's just gone, looked broken because gone didn't have another plan. God didn't look like he had another plan. And, you know, I don't know. We're going to see, man. I hope that, I mean, we got a heavyweight champion who is getting better and he's 35 years old, man. I think he's 35 or 34. I know this is heavyweight. We make the jokes that like you can fight until you're 45, but getting better in your mid thirties is tough in this sport, getting new skills. So, um, all right, I'm going to do my best to try to lay out most of what we just had going on here. Um, the outside the cage stuff. You guys, please tell me if I missed anything. Yep. Um, leading off motherfucker had a torn MCL. Francis had a torn MCL tour three month, three weeks ago. He had a torn MCL. Um, and he had a damaged ACL. There was some other part of the knee injury too, right? He mentioned possibly. Um, besides the fact that he had the knee injury, turns out everybody knew because, um, Ariel was talking about getting texts Saturday morning. Um, it was all over Twitter that he had a hurt knee. I wasn't following Twitter at this time, but it turns out everybody seemed to know. Um, man comes out wearing knee braces for the first time ever. And he has to wear two knee braces because, I mean, this isn't pro wrestling where you just you wrap up. The, you gotta, you gotta just throw them off. You, you gotta wrap the up. The, yeah. <laughs> you tape up both knees so much mm. you don't know which one's hurt. Exactly. Uh, you could have just gotten whole fucking full leg. Should have came out in a cast, full body cast. Um, so we got that going on. We got the fact that um, we mentioned it last week. His manager, his management, Markel Martin, um, his agent slash manager works for CAA, um, the biggest talent agency in the world, not named Endeavor, um, which owns the UFC. And um, they don't have a good relationship, those two organizations. And it turns out Dana White... I don't know if it's just Dana White. We always, we seem to paint the UFC's corporate structure as just Dana White. And I honestly think it's by design that they do that to make it so he takes all the heat. Because I think Dana genuinely, this is a compliment. I don't think he gives a fuck. Okay, that like he's just going to be the shield. He's going to be the the bad guy for everything the UFC does. You know, when in reality, he doesn't even own the fucking thing. You know, all these decisions are being made by Endeavor, who owns the thing. Um... We got him with a bad relationship with the manager. The manager is getting texts at 3 a.m. the day of the fight um, saying, um, text from a 702 area code, which is Las Vegas. Let's see who gets the last word after tonight, you dumb black bitch. The fact that Francis would ever listen to you lets you know how much of a dumb piece of shit he is, too. Too being spelled incorrectly. Um, after this, you will go back to selling suits at Nord Stream, you fucking moron. Three uh, middle fingers. So there's that going on, all right? Um, we got the fact that the morning of the fight, as they're going to go to the event, that uh, they send his management an email saying that they're going to sue sue them uh, for having talks with Nakisa Badarian, who is Jake Paul's business partner, who isn't a promoter, which that's, I mean, 
So we got that going on. We got the fact that he's taking on a former training partner. We got the fact that he's taking on his former coach who <clears throat> the early structures of Francis Ngannou. Were, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. Sorry, actually, I just started playing our music on accident there. Um, who, who, they, I mean, Francis is a different fighter now. We just mentioned it, but this is the man who built him, right? We're going to say this is the man, like, <clears throat> who built for it, helped build Francis Ngannou. Um, all that pressure is on this man's shoulders, okay? He wants to get paid. He got paid $600,000 plus pay per view points for this one, um, which, what do we think that number is? Best case. Uh, best two? case. Two? Two? Like two, two mil? Two mil. Pay-per-view? Two, overall, two mil. Best oh, case. like how much he made? Uh, I thought he made like 200 best case. million buys. I think he made, I was like, no, uh, I think, yeah. Best case, he made $2 million. Dollars. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I don't, we don't really, we know they get a percentage, yeah. and we yeah. honestly never really know. No, 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 they don't get a percentage. They get a certain number of dollars per pay-per-view. So when this shit went up $5, it didn't go do anything to hit for him. Okay, sure. At yeah. all. Um... We got all that. So I that's a lot happening in a man's life. And Marcus, normally when a guy has that many that many outside the cage things going on, I feel it generally doesn't go in their favor. Um and we're two rounds in and he's losing. And I'm already thinking, like, well, that's it, right? Like, this is all for naught. He's done. Um, he t- pulls it off, he wins. Dana White isn't there to put the kid to put the uh the belt on him. Pumpkin. There's no there's no there's no Dana White press conference, which that happens these days every now and then anyway. Um UFC Twitter account is posting highlights of every fight up until this point. Didn't post any highlights of that fight. Um Marcus, I guess I'm just saying, is this this remain does this end up being one of the more impressive performances just based on what he was facing in total? Uh, sure. I mean, I think at the end of the day, when you do look at all the outside stuff and include the injury and, you know, all the drama that was surrounding this. Sure. I mean, I think there's been a couple times and it's hard to remember exactly when fighters have kind of bet, you know, they saw they say like betting on yourself. It's the last fight on your contract. They don't renew before the fight. They're kind of betting that I'm going to win this fight and be able to garner a better contract. And we've seen that a few times, but never to the extent of this where it's the heavyweight champion of the world who's been extremely vocal about being unhappy, not even with the dollars that they're making. And I think you can look at just what he got paid on paper. I mean, $600,000 is nothing to scoff at, but it is when you're the heavyweight champion of the UFC defending his belt, this guy that was built up not that long ago to be, you know, one of the brightest stars of this organization, that's not a super high number. And I think when you look at boxing too, you know, you can see how much those guys are made. To add one thing as, as well, Mark, not just the UFC, but not too long ago, Dana White himself giving a full-throated, you know, uh, dick flute solo to Francis Ngannou. Yeah. I mean, it's the, not- the man is all you'd want from a guy, for a, you're a heavyweight champion. You could not ask for more. The guy's got a story. The man looks like a goddamn Marvel Comics character. He hits harder than any human being we've ever seen anybody get hit. He's got the world in cool. front of him. Considering Mark. that considering that heavyweights are known for their knockouts, even amongst those people, he has several memorable textbook knockouts. Yeah. Marcus, continue, please. 
So. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you factor all those things in and then, you know, the, the performance itself, you know, like we discussed, you know, wasn't like the most, especially for his body of work, you know, wasn't the most impressive or, you know, viral going thing. But when you add in the injury and the drama of, you know, I, I, one thing that did always kind of like rub me the wrong way or just made it feel kind of petty, not even with the UFC was just like with the former coach, you know, this could have been an easy time for him to be really proud of what he's done. He built up Francis and look at Francis did move on to, to get different coaching, but he has another student that is now going for a title. I think you can draw some correlation to be like, look at like, we know what we're doing because France is not known as a hotbed for combat sports. Although it just they, became legal good... like two years ago, the whole, maybe and a it, year ago. Yeah. It's not. And so. There's been a handful of, French fighters that have really done well in combat sports. You can look at Czech Congo. You can look at uh, Jerome LeBanner and K1. They've had stars, you know, so I think you could hang your hat and be like, look at, you know, we're maybe not known as being a hotbed of, you know, martial arts and combat sports, but we've had some breakout stars. And, you know, you, this could have been easily for them to kind of turn this around to be like, look at France is garnering some really top talent and you should give us guys a lot more respect. And it really just became this feud where it was like, we have to be, Ganu because he left France and he didn't believe that, you know, we could train him to be a champion. And, you know, I, I get how there's some sour grapes there, but I think <laughs> sure, he been, was right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there, it would have been easy enough to turn that into a positive and just be like, look at, you know, we have an, another fighter here. That's just as talented. that A lot of people think can win this championship. Go, um, but go that, figure. The French are bitter about something. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't want playing the stereotypes, but oh, okay, well, um, by the way, we got to talk about the fucking real quick. The, the, I mean, when uh, Ngannou talked about it in his interview where, like, the French media was slamming him, he said something we all know about France where he's like, if you – he's like, when I lose, I'm from Cameroon. When I win, I'm from France. That's the shit that's like yeah. – well, What was it he said? Like, the articles that started coming out for the French media after he won, it was French Cameroonian. French like, oh, Cameroonian, yeah. French. There's, a, there's that old um, joke about um, – the Robin Williams had about uh, Zinedine Zidane, the soccer player – who headbutted the Italian player in the middle of the World Cup. And Zenedone was Zenedine Zedon's a fucking French hero, right? The background is Algerian. So before the game, oh, we love Zedon. He's a great Frenchman. Once he gets thrown out of the World Cup. Fucking Algerian. Get him out of here. <laughs> but yeah, um, that was just a side note. But yeah, Marcus, yeah, and, I mean, that I mean, was... I, in that interview, I, it, uh, Francis showed a lot of maturity. I think overall, I think that, that was an interesting interview. I think... There's so many things surrounding this fight that it was very interesting to get him and Ariel to do a sit down for about, you know, almost an hour and really dive into some of these things. And and, and you brought up one of those things and, and uh, Francis just basically said like, yeah, you know, you can't control the media. They're going to spin it however they want to spin it. And I don't feel any slight. I have fans in France and I love that, you know, I was able to make a home there and have, you know, make a family um, of some of the teammates and stuff and the people that follow me and, and root my success. It's awesome. And the ones that don't, you know, whatever, you're always going to have people that, you know, are rooting against you. But at the end of the day, he just showed a ton of maturity, uh, straightforward, like, I don't know, just headstrongness. I don't know exactly what to say about all the, all the adversity he had to overcome in this fight to win it and to bet on himself and to stand you know, because even in that interview, he talked about, you know, UFC threw money at him, you know, thinking that that was the root of the problem. You know, we can we can quiet this guy who's making a lot of noise, who's going on the Daily Show and talking about fighter pay and treatment of the UFC. Let's throw the cash at him and get this to stop. And, you know, he basically said, like, you know, my principles at this point, it's more than the money. It, it's about 
actually being an independent contractor, allowing me to do the things I want to do while still being under contract. And I think that was a very interesting point. Mike, I mean, Mark mentioned it. Those, those are the magic words of this interview for me. He's pointing out, if I'm an independent contractor, why can't I do these things? Why, okay, or am I an employee? If I'm an employee, why don't I have health insurance? Like, he's questioning the actual contract structure of the entire fucking sport. I mean, this isn't limited to the UFC. Bellator's the same way. Like, he's questioning the contract structure of this sport. He's contract wrestling's the same way, too, quite frankly. That's where they yeah. all got this idea, yeah. guys. Just letting you know, Vince is where these motherfuckers all got these ideas. Um, they, He's questioning their contract structure. And that seems like when he says he wants something to be fair. I mean, look, this is a negotiation, right? Is if he, re- I, I don't think it's so far gone that he can't fight there again. Um, but they're gonna have to pay him and also co-promote this Tyson Fury fight at minimum, right? Like that's what I'm thinking. At minimum, that's what needs to happen here. Yeah, and I, I think in a weird way, this is a lot more threatening to the UFC than fighters just asking for more money. Mm-hmm. Because this is going, this is striking right at the bean of what makes a lot of the UFC successful. Um, I mean, I was I was just talking with my nephew earlier today about actually like this independent contractor thing, and I didn't even watch that part of the interview. So it's funny that he brought it up. But um, one thing I, I I told my nephew earlier was that the UFC likes to think this is a legitimate sports league, that, like the NFL like MLB and, you know, like the NBA, but they don't want to do a lot of the same things that those other quote unquote leagues does, which let's face it, at the end of the day, it's not a sports league. They're a fight, like a a fighting promotion, right? And if I'm right in boxing, Muay Thai, K1, if those dudes wanted to go do a MMA fight or like a kickboxing fight, they would be allowed to. Why? Because they're independent, they're true independent contractors, unlike in the UFC. Um, this could cause a lot of issues if um, if Francis is able to get this, and he's so prominent that he actually is bringing eyeballs to it. I mean, that Daily Show interview last week has to be the first time I think I've heard this talked about outside of MMA circles and us just, you know, screaming into the wind here. Um that was a big deal. This is all a big deal. I don't. I think like the concept of a union in fighters association. Francis talks about the interview where he said it's too hard, yeah. huh? He says it's like we're not going to get a bunch of ten thousand dollar fighters to agree not to fight. Like it's just they're not. They're oh, they're so underpaid that they need to do this. They're they're in debt by the time they fight the next time. Okay, but for Pete, but like we talked about whether Jake Paul's making a difference talking about fighter pay and stuff like that, right? All these things add up, okay? And them them trying to sue his manager for talking to Nikisa Badarian, okay? Nikisa isn't an, when Dana calls him an accountant. The motherfucker was the CFO of the company that they they, they sold it for four billion dollars, okay? But, uh, but don't CFOs have CPAs? I mean, technically, he's an accountant. I mean, if I'm a director of finance. I don't got a CPA. I mean, <laughs> like, no, seriously, like this is all. You just need enough stuff to be in the. You just you're just begging that. The goal here essentially is not going to be like, oh, we're going to get all the fighters and this is going to be the revolution and all this shit. Okay, you want an FTC and, investigation? And do you want I, I an think, FTC investigation into the UFC's business practices? That's what they're all trying to avoid here. 
Okay, they want this not on the news, okay? They put out that NFT store. And by the way, anybody else fucking shocked that the UFC is splitting the NFTs 50-50 with the fighters? I mean, I think I generally don't understand NFTs, but it sounds a lot like a Ponzi scheme to me. But um, whatever, they're splitting it 50-50 with the fighters. That is... I mean, guarantee they you that shit is drop of the bucket money. That I mean, NFT I don't know. Money I mean, compared to the other shit. I mean, this whole thing that, by the way, this man's champion has a champ as a champion, and his contract just expires. Like, there's a time length on the contract that didn't exist until they got sued. They didn't that that got added into the contracts after they got sued. Okay, because they they're like they're like okay, well, we're definitely still violating this part of the law, so we should probably do something about that. Okay. People have wanted, like, you know, when they say, like, none of these union efforts or anything, any of these, like, I'm not going to call them union efforts, but any of these efforts for the UFC to change their business practices isn't going to happen unless you get, like, some of the big fighters in there, right? Like, you've wanted Connor to say something or Nate to say something or anything like that. Got the fucking heavyweight champion of the world, man. This is as good as it's going to get. The heavyweight champion of the world who was in the New York Times fucking Daily Show. The UFC didn't spend... I've, the UFC told me they spent more than $100 promoting this... Fu- Whatever it costs to put that fucking thing up in Times Square, that billboard, okay? If they spent more than that money on this pay-per-view I, to promote it, I think I'd call them liars. Wait, was, there, a big was, there, was there a banner in Times Square? I think they just pay rent and it's updated every time there's the next pay-per-view. Uh, I think that's okay. how it goes. They didn't... He does this... Oh, he's a big deal. You know, he's not Connor. He's not Nate. He's not, you know... But you know what? He's John Jones, at least. Just, I think he's that big. Yeah. You know, I think he's a, t- he's the fucking heavyweight champion of the world. Okay. You know, this isn't Stipe, who Stipe is just wanted more money and Stipe, like, wouldn't promote anything or anything like that. And nobody had any sympathy for him, unfortunately. This man is a goddamn star. And he's, he's a threat to their business model. Is anything going to happen? Honestly, Mark, I don't think so. I mean, I think we're going to get, and I think we're going to hear in two months that they paid him. And we're going to see him fight Tyson Fury in November. I mean, Which is a weird prediction, but that's where I'm, that's where I'm at. That's <laughs> more optimistic than me. I think they're just going to let him go. I think they'll wait for his... I think, like you said earlier, they'll probably have an interim belt. They'll say, like, oh, well, Francis is... We're negotiating contracts. He's hurt. He's hurt. What do you mean? He's just he hurt. Needs, <laughs> yeah, he's hurt. So we're going to have Cyril gone face whoever wins Derek Lewis. And well, that would be great. Derek Lewis and Ty because Derek's probably going to win that. And they already had Lewis and What do you mean Ty gone, wins? But, <laughs> Ty's like one yeah. like four straight, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, whatever they do or, you know, even Stipe and gone or something. I mean, they're kind of on the outs with Stipe. But like whatever they I think there will, will probably be an interim belt. And I would imagine when they try to do contracts, the UFC is not going to budge. They're not going to. I would be happily surprised if they agreed to terms to be like, yeah, okay, you know what? You pushed. We're giving in. We're going to pay you more. You know, the salary's going up. We're going to, you know, if he does sign a contract, it's probably going to be something crazy, like, you know, like seven or 10 fights or something. But that was another thing he had issue with. He's like, oh, he's like the term length of these deals. That yeah. Was another reason. Um, but I mean, if that happens, I'd be. And he gets to do, and he's actually an independent contractor, and he gets to have this fight with Tyson Fury. I think would be, I would love that to happen. What I think the reality is going to be is they're just going to let him go, and I think it's going to they're going to get some bad press, like, oh, you know, how can you let your dominant heavyweight champion go? And they'll just be like, well, you know what, time we'll forget about it. You know, gone or whoever else comes up will be the heavyweight champion, and it'll just be a footnote that we just let this guy go. And I mean, honestly, if I if I'm even them, it's like okay. He goes and fights Tyson Fury. 
what's probably going to happen in that fight? He's probably going to get his ass kicked. And then we can just be like, well, he wasn't that good. Look at Gon. He had to wrestle him in a boring fight. You know, they, they can change the narrative. So I don't think oh, it's how, in there. How quickly were they to, ready to bury him, you think, after two rounds? How quickly oh, were yeah. they ready to I bury mean, him? Oh. They were, yeah, Dana, was, Dana was in there doing stretches. He's like, oh, I'm going to go on this fucking press conference and bury this motherfucker. <laughs> he won? He what? You want me to go? No, fuck. I'm not putting the belt on him. No, fuck you. I'm going home. Yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot of ego played into him not showing up, which you know just seems like sour grapes. But yeah, I, honestly, my prediction is they're just going to let Francis go. I would be, I would be thrilled if his talking and him bringing up these points makes an everlasting change in the sport. I would fucking love that, but I can't be that optimistic. We've had we've had eight fighters go up. And be like, we're going to start a fighter's union. And I got so excited. I was like, this is what needs to happen. And so many times that stuff has fallen through. So I would be shocked if we actually see a change. I think UFC will just run the business as they've seen fit until, you know, I think if any change is going to come, it's going to be have to be some other organization that has the capital and has, you know, the marketing of being like, we're going to share the profits with you guys more evenly and that has to take off, and that's a you know, huge ask. So in in the lo- in the long run, the UFC can't allow Francis Ngannou to win because it will embolden other fighters to follow. What suit. are we defining right. win though? Like, does he get everything he wants? They can't like they won't let that happen. But if there's a middle ground. If he, I mean, look, maybe maybe the compromise is like these really big stars that we can't bully. They do get a little bit more open contract. He gets to do boxing. Nate gets to do box because, like, look at there's only so many big stars like Nate and Nick and Connor. They're they're the ones that are like, oh, I really want to push to do some stuff outside of the UFC, and maybe they budge and just let those guys. But I kind of agree with Mike. It's they, like I don't. They let it get give. away from them, man. They let it get away from them these last few years when they were pushing the sale about letting someone get bigger than the company. They mm-hmm. let it get away from them a little bit, and now we're heading into this year. Where they could lose Nganu, Nate, Connor, Adesanya. Though I don't think Adesanya is that big of a deal. I mean, I like Adesanya. I mean, he's like Nganu, maybe a little bit less. Like how big of a deal he is. Bobby, but, you're saying all of these great names. They could, none of those guys could fight again this year for the UFC. And I guarantee you, at the end of this year, they are going to have another record. Oh no. Revenue. No, I'm telling you, they let they let it get away from them. When Mark's saying these are certain fighters, they're not going to let more of these happen. They let it get away from them. They got they let they made the mistake of giving Nate a live live microphone, and he became I'm not surprised, motherfucker. They gave him that fight they shouldn't have. They turned Nate Diaz into a fucking monster. Okay, they like they played the Conor McGregor game too many times, and Conor McGregor got to fight Floyd Mayweather, and now Conor McGregor's unmanageable. Okay, they they let it. In the name of selling the company for $4 billion, I mean, this is the old owners there. They're gone now. They made their money, okay? I don't think they let... I mean, this is the three-letter problem we talk about all the time, you know? The three most important letters. This is the is UFC. You don't let you don't put yourself in a position to be beholden to any one of these fighters, okay? Right. It will I, be a blow I, to lose those fighters, though, if they lose them all in one year. It, it will be, but I think we, we learned what Mike was alluding to is, like, they don't make as much... Their profits aren't solely based on selling pay-per-views, mm. which is like what we kind of thought for a while. Is like they need stars to sell pay-per-views to get revenue. And it's like they don't. They have an ESPN contract that pays them the vast majority of the revenue to just put on shows. And like we've talked about this last year, and like we're missing a seat, 
they put on garbage and it doesn't matter if people are interested in it or not or if people lose interest in the sport as long as they fulfill that contract they're going to make their their big bucks and i think even if they lose all those people they're going to be like look at we might have a year or two where it's kind of rough but We'll find new stars. No, they, won't, they won't even lose. They won't, they'll make just as much money, if not more, each year. Well, yeah, but I, I feel like they're confident that, like, look at we're the biggest game in the sport. We will find new stars. There will be another Sean uh, O'Malley. Well, they you know, we'll find guys new too. talent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, look, people will come in, People have come and gone through the sport. You know, G, there's been big stars, GSB, Ronda, and, you know, they come and go. The and, important and the thing for them, on. we don't talk about enough, is them getting to ESPN. That was sure. I mean, yeah, not even not even financially, but on multiple levels. Because ESPN sure. is the default channel. You go to a bar, their yeah. TV's just on ESPN for some reason. No matter what's going on, okay? I mean, it is what do you expect default... it to be on Fox Sports 1? Ugh. There we go. Okay? Gross. It is the default. You watch so much Shannon Sharp and you say that. Um... <laughs> he doesn't count. Right. <laughs> um, they, they are, being on ESPN is such a big deal for them. That was the... That was the big one for them, and you know what? When we talk about their, you know, them people get they're gonna get negative press from you know like he goes on a daily show and shit like that. You know who they're they're probably not gonna delve into independent contractor fucking status on what channel they're not gonna do that on? It's fucking ESPN. All right, they ain't talking about that shit on first take. Let me tell you, man. This is this is the same channel where they commissioned a documentary about concussions, the the great documentary, uh, frontline documentary about NFL concussions. Which I know Mike has watched. Um, Wait, that was commissioned by ESPN? No, it was ESPN and PBS joint commission, right? And oh, then, ES, then the NFL got angry about ESPN's involvement, and ESPN fucking pulled everything. ESPN's like, we're, they were going to air it on ESPN and PBS, and ESPN just ignored that it existed one day. It ignored. This is the same channel that. that did that. Okay, wow. this is not. This is not going to be the channel that holds motherfuckers' feet to the fire. When Dana White goes on first take, and the person who has the most serious questions is Molly Karam, because 10 years ago, she used to host fucking that ESPN UFC show, and she knows how much these fighters are getting fucked, you know? Like, I mean, Stephen A. Smith spent 20 minutes talking about Francis Ngannou's left hand the other, uh, the other uh, this morning, I saw, and I was just thinking, like, is it just his left hand? Like, I was like, the man is knocking a lot in a bunch of different ways. This was... I mean, they're too deep. You're, they're, they're, nothing's going to change if they don't want it to. They don't have to, you know. They're they are the they have ingrained themselves as they are the sport, you know. We like to make the wrestling allegory. WWE ain't going anywhere. AEW can be as good as it wants. WWE uh, can go nowhere. So, <laughs> gr- granted, he's had his other issues as well. But one thing you guys referenced earlier was uh, Francis is basically all about on the same level as John Jones. I think when it comes to popularity and you know maybe with pay per views and such. Um, when was the last time John Jones fought? When did he get lucky to walk out of that fight with Dominic? Was that it? A while ago. Yeah, yeah. that was a long time. And so, which I'm going to say. UFC has had record profits since he hasn't been there. So <laughs> he UFC, this case. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to say no, is nothing's going to take this business. The, the, the UFC has learned. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can, we can lose a star and we can lose a black star as well. You know, like in John Jones and yeah, we'll be all right. Do they have any, I mean, all they got is Izzy. Is that their black star? Yeah. Izzy, uh, Usman, Usman? You, you Usman? Usman? they don't, yeah. Usman, they don't like Usman either. They don't like any other. Who who is good that they like? Okay, who is good? I'm pretty sure they like Aljo because Aljo is champ. He's not really champ. Oh, no, Aljo. I don't think they like Aljo. 
I don't know. Aljo, Aljo. Aljo ain't asking for more money right now. Right. Aljo asked for so much money when he was just a prospect. They're still holding that over him. <laughs> I remember that. He made it a whole big deal whether he was leaving or not. Um, yeah, well, I guess we're going to see where it goes. Um, real quick, yes or no question. Does Francis and God, he has a torn MCL. That is not a year injury. That is what? A three, four month injury in most sports? Uh, maybe. Nothing. Is Francis Ngannou fighting this year either in the UFC or under the banner of the UFC in boxing? Yes or no? Mark? I'd probably say no. My, my, my money's on them letting him go. Is Mike? No. I'll say yes. The UFC is very vindictive. I think they want one good headline. They need one good headline when they lose all these other, other motherfuckers. <laughs> they kept the, the, fucking, the guy with the good story around. Um, I just... That was such a good... I mean, that was... A, Check out the interview, guys. By the way, Ariel Hawani is the biggest media threat to them. Anybody talking about this? <laughs> it's Ariel, who at this point is so popular, he goes on fucking uh, national sports shows. That's it. It's Ariel. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, okay. Well, um, Cyril gone. Do we want to see him fight uh, Claire Curtis Blaze, or are we asking for disappointment there? <laughs> I think that's fair. I, I think, you know, I mean... I want to see. Where are we at? Given that it wasn't, you know, his best performance, obviously, like, I'm, I'm still interested. I think he's... I mean, again, this was the dude's 11th fight. You know, he is, does not have a lot of MMA experience. He's I, only 31, I think, too. I think he's a little younger than Francis. Yeah, also. I think he's in his early 30s. I'm hoping this is a, a big learning experience for him, just like it was for um, uh, Francis. And when he fought Stipe, you know, I think he can take a lot away and really realize, you know, the areas of the game that he needs to work on. Um, obviously a fight with Curtis blades plays right into that. Um, cause outside of that, there's not a lot of high level wrestlers in the heavyweight division, but I, I, I still have high hopes for God oh, yeah. in this he, division. He, 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 that's not going to be his only, that's not going to be his only title fight. He's too good. Um, I just want to see where we're at. <laughs> I mean, he might sure. lose by yeah, decision. That's a hole he needs to fix. He might lose by decision to be like, yo, I'm, I'm piecing out of this gym. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to find an American to teach me this wrestling thing. <laughs> You know, <laughs> teach me this wrestling that you guys know so much about. Um, co-main event. Brandon Moreno, Davison Figueredo, or as people like to call him, Figgy Smalls. Um, or as I like to call him, the one that ruined my four-leg parlay. Oh, man. How much were you going to make? Uh, it wasn't that much. I was going to, I bet, I bet like 20 to make like 80 or 90. Um, close fight. If you, if you saw, like, you know what? Just watch the first fight. Except dial back the quality about ten percent. That's this fight. Um, three to three rounds to two for Figueroa on the judges' scorecards. Not uh fairly consistent with what they said. Which rounds he won? It looks like actually not really. But um, I think when it was over, I think when it was over, I thought maybe Brandon. Um. In the post-fight interview, Brandon did think he he did say he won, but Brandon, being the gentleman that he is, uh, went on Instagram and said, "Amigos, una disculpa, creo que perdí." Mike, as I butcher the Spanish language, there, what did Brandon Moreno say? <laughs> uh, my guys, I'm sorry, but I think I lost. That's right, Brandon Moreno even thinks he lost. God, I love Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno, the biggest star of the weekend, probably. Um, Wait, I thought after the fight, I thought he said he thought he won. He did, but then like he watched it, I think is what happened. Uh, he got on Instagram and just was clear about it. Um, 
We don't need a, honestly, it's 447 minutes into the podcast. We're not going to break down this fight. Marcus, they fought three times. It's 1-1-1. One, one, one. After we're, um, Davison said he wants to fight uh, Brandon in Mexico. And then he walked it back and said maybe Brazil. Um, do we do it again? Yeah, I mean, I we've talked about it last week. I think these two guys have really rejuvenated this division. And I think you can sell this fight. You sell it as like the only fight where we've had four fights. Like legitimately, they need to go to a fourth fight because it's this has to draw. be up, though, right? I, like, I mean, assuming we don't get another draw, like you'd sure. hope. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if they get another draw, then you could. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. I think you can. I, I think having this be the only quad trilogy fight or whatever you want to call it. I think there is a technical name for this. The UFC's never had it before, and I think it's never been more warranted when there's been a draw. And wins on each side, and and the fights have been good. They they've been fantastic. This fight was great. So I mean, yeah. I, what I feel bad about is that I kind of wish, if anyone, Brandon would have gotten one fight where he was able to, you know, defend and then become because he. I think he can be a huge star, and I think if you have that belt around his waist, it, that just you know increases his star power. So I kind of wish he could have had you know fight Car uh, Car France or whatever, and, and maybe gotten a win there and kind of been able to build himself up. But I do think an immediate I hope they go to Mexico. rematch. I think, I think that'd, that'd be, be great. awesome. I don't think, I think that Davison's going to... I think Davison's team... I think Waleed went back there and told him, are you fucking high? Why, you're the champion. Why are we going right. to Mexico? Did we don't see say what, you want to go there. At least let's get paid to go. Uh, did we see what happened with Kane? You want that to yeah. happen to you? Um, so, Mike, uh, Oscar Oskarov, um, Kai Kara France, Alexander Pantoja, all these guys waiting for a title shot. Mm-hmm. Um... One, um, is this fair if we go to a fourth fight? Two, do you care? Like my old legal mentor in college used to say, life isn't fair. Deal with that shit. I want to see these guys fight again. I didn't know I said that. Okay. Um, you were my legal mentor in college? <laughs> I didn't know you were in college. Um, honestly, they could, I don't care. I don't go this way. I don't care that it's not fair because there's nothing fair about this sport. Um, shout out. To I would Joseph feel. Kevin. I think. Um, honestly, if if Askar Oscar uh, beats Kaikara France, man, I'd be pissed if I was him. He's already ranked number two. What do you want him to fucking do? Um, and Pantoja, I'd feel worse about Mark if he didn't already lose to Davison in a fight. I mean, mm-hmm. at least he's got. I mean, Brandon, he beat Brandon. I'd be furious yeah. if I was him there. But honestly, they've really when this I mean, we talked about it last week. We're like, if he if Brandon loses, uh, we're gonna have to do this again unless he gets like wrecked and he barely lost um credit is due to captain eric albaracin and that mma fight ready team they got going on in arizona um with henry i think it's arizona henry cejudo's team over there i mean the all the the whole thing with the talking shit the cringe stuff is weird on davison because davison was fine the way he was just like with the, the whole gimmick i thought he was fine already you know, I thought he like the gimmick was fine. His shit talk is terrible. Um, it doesn't do anything for him. Um, but I mean, he got the proof is in the pudding. Marcus Whaley looked great. You know, looked much better in the second fight against Rose. You know, they Davison um, went from I think uh, Luke Thomas was talking about it. He targeted in the first fight Brandon's head eighty seven percent of the time, and the like body and legs was like nine percent or something. And like in this one, it was almost like a clean thing all across the board. They were targeting legs, body, and head. You know, they've really, you know, they, the proof's in the pudding there. 
Um, I guess we're going to have to wait and see if Calvin Gaslam comes back a new fighter too then, huh? They're doing work, good work over there. Sure, yeah. I mean, this was a huge improvement, especially after the last fight where, I mean, we all picked uh, Brandon because he did so well in that uh, second fight. You know, he just cleanly defeated him, you know, finished him in the second round. So, yeah, it was on Figueroa to make those adjustments, and they did. And and what we were talking about before, like, if it's fair or not, what I what I would say to those guys that obviously have earned their spot is, you know, allowing this is just building both these guys up so that whoever you fight in the future, those fights are going to be bigger. You know, there's going to be more eyes on them because they've had so much time in the spotlight that so many more people are, know who they are. And this was a division that easily was going to get dropped. We talked about it so many times, like UFC is just waiting for to drop this thing. We were, we're they surprised. sold the fight on the premise, for the love of God. Like They sold an yeah, entire I fight mean, on the premise they're going to kill this fight. This, uh, yeah, division. so I, I, you know, I, I think it is a little unfair that you know these guys have had to challenge each other over and over again for the title. It is kind of gumming up the works. But it's a division that needs star power and needs more you know, promotion. And these fights, I think, are giving it. So I think it kind of sucks for those guys. But you know, it is what it is. And Figueroa, Figueroa, not only did he look better in the fight, like it's amazing he can perform the way he does did you guys see him on the fucking scale like that guy is he is so thin when he makes 125 it is i'm you know that was the, health i actually genuinely believe when they said this was one of his better weight cuts because i don't know how much look i like waleed like but like the way figurita was fighting before was just some straight like shoot to box night like 2002 type shit it felt like mark like it seems like, I mean, say what you will about Henry and that team, but they're goddamn professionals, you know? And yeah, his, his weight mean, cut was on point. He looked, yeah. he looked bad in, on the scale. They looked like, had, the, he didn't look tired at the end. He didn't look like he was more tired than Brandon. No, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like, when I say he looked bad, it wasn't like he even looked like, like he physically looked, I mean, he physically looked really drawn, but he mentally was still there. Because it means that his conditioning and his weight cut went a lot better. It's just that dude has to cut so much water weight to get to that. He's just like on the scale. He doesn't he look looks like he carries like any fat he either. Looks he looks like he's just no. like, they're both, both these gentlemen are just like, yeah. By the way, I mean, the heavyweight title fight was slow in general. But like after that fight, it looked like watching some dudes fight in slow motion after that fight between these two guys. Sure. Um, but Brandon's a fucking star, man. I know it's Anaheim and the crowd is very heavily, you know, Hispanic. Um, but that was great. Um, the pre-fight interview, the pre-fight press conference, um, beyond the weird stuff where they have these terrible fake journalists try to pick a fight with Francis Ngannou, it's weird. Um, but like the thing where Figueroa kept trying to call Brandon names and Brandon was just like, Brandon, I don't, I mean, look, Brandon lost, but I don't, I don't think any of us think that any of that shit talked to anything to him. Like Brandon was just sitting there like, why are you, why are you trying so hard, man? Why are you, you've been making fart noises at one point, Brandon. He was blowing raspberries, like, to everything that uh, Fagarito was saying. That stuff's not necessary, man. It's not going to make Davison a star. It's not. He's not. He's already a good fighter. His gimmick is he shows up in sunglasses looking cool. That's fine. And he's got a fucking, that red stripe thing going on in his hair. I like, that's fine. That's enough. That's good. They paid you, two, they paid you 150 grand to show. Okay? They paid the champion 200 grand. They're going to flip those numbers. You guys are going to make each of you 600 grand when it's all said and done on these fights. That's, that's it. They don't. They barely care about this division. Um, just I know none of us really watch a lot. Much, a lot of the uh, the rest of the card, but it's worth mentioning that fucking uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov beat Cody Staman in forty seven seconds, and Cody Staman's not a bum. 
This is uh Said uh that's uh Habib's cousin, right? Uh, that's not Usman? I don't know. I don't know which one. I don't know how common of a name Nurmagomedov is, I'll be honest. Don't know. Um Yeah, this card was real thin. Um it worked out well though for the NFC division game ending about like ten minutes before the co main event went on. So we'll see. Uh, next for the heavyweight championship, nobody knows. And next for the flyweight championship, we're just going to have these guys give each other brain damage in six months. I guess we're going to find out. Uh, the news from the... Any news you guys saw this week? The only one I really thought it was note was John Jones was tweeting during this fight. And I just... We just seem so far gone from that conversation. Again. Right? Like, we just seem so far away from that, that man no more. I mean, this whole thing just didn't work. Um... Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't even know um, what else. There was. I mean, Branson and Gone dominated the news. I don't think what I don't know what else even happened. Um, some young lady um, who won this past Saturday, Vanessa Demopoulos, um, who won by armbar, quit her job as a exotic dancer um, before to take a, to, to sign with the UFC there, and everybody made the exact same joke. Which was that she probably made more more money as a stripper than a, and fighting in the UFC. I mean, it's so, probably not a joke. No, no. I mean, it was. I mean, they were trying to be funny, but it was not even. A, it's definitely true. Like, it's not even a question. It depends. Where, where, where is this? Where's this young lady, an exotic dancer? At? I don't think it matters. I think that's is how it, little she got paid. Because if it's, oh yeah, that's kind of true. <laughs> think about that's it. How little true. she got paid. Yeah. <laughs> Unless she got and, a fifty thousand uh, dollar fight bonus. Um, <laughs> and also, no when you consider the fact that uh, you know you get you get paid straight cash as a, as a stripper, like she probably came out on top as well in that yeah. aspect. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. Is that fucking it? Let's do stuff we like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Mike, real quickly, talk football with me. Apologies, Mark. Um. It's all good. Probably the greatest weekend of NFL playoff football ever. Every now, game came down to the wire. This would not no, no, be legitimately. by the fact that your team advanced. No, our game was terrible. Yeah. Our game was the worst game of the four in terms of entertainment. It was terrible. That, that punt block more than made up for it because I was screaming my ass off dude, when that happened. Dude, I was watching uh, with my girlfriend and she could tell you, but the look on my face was just like, my face was just, my mouth was open for like, she was like, she doesn't really watch football. She's like. What I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't think you appreciate what just happened. How weird that was! <laughs> like, like it, it was wait, done. <laughs> wait a second. Wait a second. I only had a little fiver on that game, and when the Niners blocked that punt, I was literally at a Green Bay Packers bar, and I started screaming at the top of my lungs, just like grabbing. Dude, fell. I was. I you couldn't wrap my head around it. Happened. How, how did you just have your mouth open? Were you just trying to keep it that together in front of your girlfriend? Because no, I mean, I've, I've watched sports with you, living with you for two years. Okay, I've I've grown a lot since the time. <laughs> well, since the time I took a baseball bat to a mattress and yes, things happened. Yes. You've still talked about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, honestly, like I just like that was so shocking to me. That block punt in that game. I was like, oh, my God. And then like we start driving. It's the last drive. I'm like, are we going to win? And then I'm like. Oh my God, we're gonna win! Cause I I knew I mean he was gonna I knew Robbie Gold was gonna kick that shit. Robbie Gold is from is played like eight years in Chicago, beating the Packers is what this man lives for. So I was just like he's got this shit. But I'm like oh my God, we're gonna win! 
And then honestly, it was just me cursing Aaron Rodgers. Just out loud and through text message to everybody I knew. Calling him <laughs> a fucking piece of shit. Fucking anti-vax this or that. Fucking this. I was so happy. And I'll, I'll be honest, it, it legitimately hurt my feelings. It turned out Aaron Rodgers was such a piece of shit. Okay? It like legitimately hurt my feelings. How much I liked him as a football player. Okay? Um, the man literally got the cow. And started and when he was when his junior year was my freshman year of college, and at UC Davis we kind of root for U, uh, Berkeley a lot because well our football team's normally trash and you know UCs NorCal all that stuff, so we we're all that team had Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn, fucking Deshaun Jackson. It's a great team. Since then I've liked this dude, um, and it's this whole playoff run with the 49ers now is really just like they keep lining it up with teams we have a good shot of beating. And it's becoming unnerving, Mike. I'll be honest with you. Like, the Cowboys game, I think immediately I'm like, oh, we're winning this shit. The Cowboys are soft. That's soft. And then I'm like, the Packers, I'm like, we always beat Aaron Rodgers. And now we're playing the Rams, who we've beaten six straight fucking times. That might we mean beat them two due. weeks ago. Huh? That might mean you're due. I know. For a loss. I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you to bet $200 on the, uh, I mean, allegedly, I'm going to tell you to bet $200 on the Niners. For me, and uh, you're gonna have to tell me, hey, they might be due. You, you, you mean for <laughs> entertainment purposes only, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Yeah, but um, that whole like the fucking Ram, the Rams and Buccaneers game was crazy. Um, the Titans and Bengals was crazy, and the the Bills and Chiefs game. That was I'm insane. still. I just needed to explain to me why. When they're, it's 13 seconds left, and the Chiefs have two timeouts still. Why the Bills are running a fence post defense? Like, why would anybody care to go out of bounds? And like, Mike, you went to school in Buffalo. We both went to Syracuse, you know, which is a few hours away. So I didn't know the Bills fan experience until I got to Syracuse. You probably more experienced with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're a Jets fan. It's the same division. Maybe you don't have the sympathy I do. But, like, I have so much sympathy for these poor fucking people. Dude, <laughs> I am a Jets fan, and I lived in Buffalo for four years. Um, look, I have nothing against the Bills. Maybe it's because, very similar to the Jets, the Bills, outside of the last two, three years, haven't been any good the mm-hmm. same amount of time since I started liking football, like, in 2000. Mm-hmm. So... I've never really had a, t- a time where it's like fuck the Bills. It's the Bills have always been right in the gutter down with me. You know, at the bottom of the, of the AFC East. So I've always had a soft spot for for Bills fans. Um, Buffalo is just a very nice town. There are actually very nice people. It's almost kind of Midwest values out yeah. out in Buffalo, and they hurt almost as much as Jets fans. Um, probably more because they had four chances in a row to win a, a Super Bowl, and they didn't get it done. Yeah. And their team was god-awful for God knows how long. And I'm sure every fan base um, thinks this during training camp, where they're like, this is our year, I think. Jets fans don't think that way, except for like those two years with Rex Ryan. Mm. Um, but Bills fans, I remember being in Buffalo those summers, listening to sports talk radio and they truly thought every team yo jp lossman 
he's the guy. Mm. We're fine. We're finally gonna make her run to the Super Bowl. We've got it. Oh, we, this Drew Bledsoe guy, he's the one. They truly believed that they were gonna make a deep run in the playoffs, and each year they won six games. Dude, it's like I mean, they use that they use that feeling to drink to drive them through those winter months too, man. It's so cold. Buffalo these people sucks. show up to these cold Buffalo's ass up. fucking games, man. Let me tell you guys something. All right. Um, if you need to go to Niagara Falls like once in your life, sure, go go do it. Besides that, there's absolutely no reason to go to Buffalo. Buffalo is a horrible place to live. You don't want to go. Was it worse than Q's? Yes. You know why? Weather was worse? Yes. The weather okay. was worse. The city is worse because at least Syracuse has Syracuse University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to say they have like, you know, Buffalo has the Sabres and, you know, uh, an NFL team. I still take Syracuse every day of the week over Buffalo. Fair enough. Shout out to Buffalo. Um, Nobody likes the NFL overtime rules. What would you be your pick for how they would fix it? What if you are you fine what, with it? What, I'm fine with it. What what do they want? Like no one's I, ever I, happy with the overtime rules. It's overtime. You know what? If you didn't want to deal with the overtime rules, guess what? Get it done in the, get it look, done. I, I I don't understand the logic of if it's a field goal we keep playing, if it's a touchdown we don't keep playing. I think you should have a chance to respond either way. That's just me. That would be a small change. They get a chance to respond either way. Whether uh, you had to have at least one offensive position. That's what I think. Um, but if I was going to just do it from, start from scratch, and this isn't exciting, so they're never going to do it like this, just do it the way the NBA does. Just, you have an overtime, and at the end of the 10 minutes, or 15 minutes, whatever time you want to do. Let's say 10 minutes. Yeah, You but, play the whole fucking uh, 10 minutes. But then at, then at the end of that, especially in the playoffs, then you what play do you play another 10 that? fucking minutes. What do you mean? This is like the NBA. Keep going. Jeez, Jesus. The only 10 minutes, man. In the, in the NBA, you know... You're playing a very like much lower contact sport than in football. Oh, don't act like they care, oh, come on, buddy. Man. They added a, another regular season game this season for fun. Okay, no, that argument's gone. That's there's no <laughs> argument for the NFL caring about anybody's safety. That's it's a, it's a that all went away. Okay, <laughs> there's certain things that ended during the pandemic. NFL caring about anybody's safety. They're, they're not. Marcus might appreciate this. The NFL decided right before the playoffs start, before this week of playoffs, that they're not going to fucking COVID test anybody anymore. That's it. In the vaccinated, way. unvaccinated. <laughs> no point. We can't ruin these games. Doesn't need to be done. Um, by the way, speaking of testing, when was the last time somebody popped for anything in the UFC? Huh? Huh? We're not doing that anymore, huh? We don't test drug. We're not drug testing. Okay. No. Uh, How many times are going to drug Hardy, test Francis Fred, when Fred he's hurt? Hardy's fight got you know. Anytime they say like, oh, undisclosed reason, we we all know it's COVID. Wait, wait, oh no, I meant I meant I meant I meant I meant I meant Usada. Oh sure, yeah. That's everyone's <laughs> gotten really good at. Everybody you know. got real clean. They're gonna they're gonna drug test Francis every day. <laughs> he's gonna have he's gonna break all those records for most drug tests. <laughs> Misha had the most from last year with like twenty eight. Next year, this for two thousand twenty two is gonna be Francis and Ganu, three hundred and fifty <laughs> drug tests. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, a lot of football watching. Um, I think my brother's going to go to the Niners-Rams game. Last time he went to the game, um, he had to leave because Haley, Haley, old, Haley Joel Osment, who, who he was with, got too drunk and passed out in the toilet. Nice. So they Wait, had to carry what? Haley Joel Osment out. <laughs> Why does That's your a, brother have such great stories? I don't know. I think you just live in L.A. and you spend money. That's pretty much how this all plays out. Didn't he, didn't he hang out with America Ferrara once? One of his friends is friends with America Ferrara, yeah. 
And then my brother got uh then then the jackass guys were there and the one that died, what was his name? Bam Mogar? No, Bam didn't die, the other one died. The boy uh, the beard died. Yeah, it was the blonde hair guy. Oh, yeah, uh, they got him. They were like tussling in a hotel. Something? They were like, Nikki ended up play wrestling with him in a hotel lobby and started knocking shit over. That's my brother's life in LA. Um, this was a while ago, though. That guy died a while ago, too. Um, my brother, dad asked my, my dad asked me, by the way, the other day if, if, he, if I would go see the movie, the Jackass movie with him. Did he say the, did he say the the Jackass? No, he saw it. We were watching, he saw the trailer oh, okay. and he said, I want to see this. Your mom won't go with me. Can I, will you go with me? And I'm like, <laughs> You know this is like the fifth one. He's like, it looks funny. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go with you. <laughs> it's fine. Um, besides that, um Peacemaker. Really I'm I'm on board. Episode four I thought was really good. So Yeah. No. Uh, uh, we're all up to date. Um, yeah, me too. Um I really dug it and I like this I like the vigilante character quite a bit, I've realized. I'm trying to piece together where I saw him from. Allegedly yeah. he was in Game of Thrones. They said he was in Game of one of my uh, one of our coworkers looked it up, said he was in Game of Thrones as a No no he wasn't. He was, he was Sam's, Sam's brother. brother. He was Sam's brother. He was No, he was for sure he was not. He was one of the Tarleys. Sam's Sam's brother is the ape guy from Umbrella Academy. No, I can't yeah. no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well we'll figure that out. I don't even need to look that shit up. Come on, guys. Have some faith in your boy. I mean, I just don't care that much. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think... I, I, what, oh, I'm, I'm okay, anyway. Um, I don't know what... I mean, that's really it. You know, I told myself I was going to watch the Matrix movie, and then I realized, you know, I don't care anymore. So that's probably just going to leave HBO Max, and that's going to be well, it. I haven't heard good things about that movie, so I don't think you're really missing very much. Um. Okay. This guy was in Harry Potter, Mike. He was? He's American, isn't he? He's he's Cormac McLaggen. He was Cormac McLaggen. That's where a, I know him from. What the fuck's a Cormac McLaggen? Which Cormac character is that? Cormac McLaggen was in The Half-Blood Prince, which was the sixth movie. Mm-hmm. And he played the uh, dashing, strapping uh, jock, who was also a sixth year in Gryffindor, that was going out for the keeper position um, against Ron. And he would have gotten the keeper position, but Hermione cheated in the tryouts. Oh, he apparently so. got a got a couple checks for those Deathly Hallow movies too. He also played Luke in Pitch Perfect. Don't know who that is. Um, Even I don't know who that yeah, is. Yeah, I don't know some of these shows. He's been in a lot of stuff apparently. But he's on Bridgerton. Okay. By the way, he wasn't in fucking Game of Thrones. I don't know what the no, fuck Chris was. was talking about. He's not even oh, listening. We got some bad info. Yeah, we got to talk to Chris. Young Mark. Chris don't know shit. Young Chris, you know, young Chris built my unicycle that you bought me for Christmas today, Chris, Mark. Oh, so I really have oh, no complaints. You know, uh, you know where his talents lie. Then, yeah, building unicycles, but not knowing uh, movie references. Um, yeah, that's really it. This weekend is the Rumble, so I'm gonna take money, Mark's money, uh, Mike's money while watching that. But besides that, yeah, Mike, we, what we do gotta, you got this week? You gotta pick, make some bets, right? Like exactly. A, um. Oh, speaking of bets, um, I'm pro. I just saw the Bengals have a. Plus eight hundred odds to win the Super Bowl, so I'm gonna lay a nice fifty burger on that. So, um, sorry, Bobby, I'm I'm, I'm rooting against you. You know we will fuck we fuck the Bengals up like a month ago, right? Yeah, they so have no they have no offensive line. If we win, we're crushing the Bengals. You never know, man. The Chiefs are a threat. They're a real problem. Um, okay, uh, what do you got this week? Uh, quick thing for me, I think it was the game that you guys talked about last week, the Dwarf game. Uh, mm-hmm. deep deep, deep dog. Deep Rock, what is it? Deep Rock Galactic. Deep Rock Galactic, yeah, there we go. Um, 
I started playing it what this weekend, and um, I don't know. I played it for about maybe a total of five six hours this weekend. Um, really enjoyable. It kind of reminds me of a slightly more um, complicated Minecraft, where a lot of the game is just chipping away at rocks, and every so often, like you gotta fight some bugs. Um, and really enjoyable. Uh, you're able to just go in and out um, with a uh, multiplayer. Uh, sometimes you get guys that are very helpful and very uh, cohesive. Other times you jump in a game and the guy just starts flamethrowing you for no goddamn reason. I'm assuming he's like 10 years old. But besides that, I'm really enjoying the game. I'm looking forward when, uh, you know, the three of us plus uh, probably Steph can yeah. uh, get a game going. For sure. Yeah. They got to get that crossplay going. We got to get Drew in there, man. I think Drew yeah, would really dig nice. it. Or we got to get Drew to buy a PS. It's not going to happen. Drew's, no. Drew's a man of principle on this one. He doesn't need it. <laughs> he really doesn't. Do any of us? Yes. Not probably. I'm having a good I time. Do. I'm having a good time. Um, okay. Is that all you got this week, Mike? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. Okay, Marcus, what do you got this week, brother? Yeah, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Um, have been playing more Deep Rock Galactic. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I did pick up Windjammers 2. Uh, and as someone that really was a big fan of the first one, got it when it was digitally released a couple years ago, I was a little hesitant to pick up Windjammers 2 because there's not much more to it feature-wise. You know, you have an arcade mode, there's an online mode, and that's kind of more or less it. Um, but I decided, you know, I wanted to pick it up, I wanted to play it and try out some of the new, you know, gameplay mechanics they added to it. Um, and, and I played online, which I don't like playing online a lot because I end up just getting my shit pushed in. And that definitely happened the first time I played. I was just playing a guy that was just clearly better than me. Um, and there's not a lot of people on PS5. I mean, actually, it's the PS4 version. So on PS4, I think it said like there's 24 people online. So I played this guy a couple times. I was like, okay, you're clearly better than me. I'm going to bow out, see if I can get someone else. And I just kept getting matches with him again and again. And I was like, dude, I don't, I'm not really enjoying myself here. Um, but then later I, I went back to it and got matched up with someone that was much more of my own skill set. And we had a lot of good uh, matches there. And that was really fun. Um, so outside of that, also caught up on, on Peacemaker. And that was really fun. And we'll probably break uh, break more into that show when it's uh, all said and done when the season ends. So I guess the last thing I wanted to mention is we had a couple uh, COVID scares. And it was very comforting to have a home test and be able to, you know, take a test and be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm OK. <laughs> so in, you know, it, it used to be so tough to, uh, you know, schedule a test. And now it still is really tough to actually get like a official test or whatever. So, um, you know, Bobby was able to snag a bunch of home tests. Uh, and, yeah, it was really nice to in, in surprisingly easy to administer your own home test and get results. So that's been a godsend. And hopefully that, that stuff becomes more widely available. Obviously, the government is going to be giving people a yeah, handful of tests. And hopefully if you want the test, you hit us up. It's amazing at gmail.com. I'm selling them. They're hot. It's it's one test for 30, two for 75. It's right. That's exactly how it works, okay? We punish you for asking for a second test, okay? <laughs> it's punishment. Lead a more responsible life, okay? No, yeah, Mark was mentioning it. If you haven't, go to the, I think it's covidtest.gov, um, where you'll give you four tests um, per household. Um, so you should definitely do that. Oh, Mark. I've got I've got one more stuff we like, uh, well, late let, edition. Let, well, let's let Mark wrap it up, and then we'll go back to you. Oh, oh that was right, good. Right, right. Okay, Mike, right, go ahead. right to you, Mike. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, sorry about that, Mark. 
But uh, one thing that I saw when I got home today was uh, Joe Biden had a press conference earlier today. I was about uh, to Bobby mention already this. Knows. Bobby already knows. Uh, he had a press conference, and I know they're calling it a quote-unquote hot mic incident. Yo, I think 50% of Joe Biden's gaffes, he knows exactly what he's doing. So um, Pete, Pete Ducey, Peter Ducey. Steve. Steve Ducey, whatever. Yeah, he, he he's relevant. But anyway, Steve Ducey from Fox News asked a reporter, Joe, quote unquote, quote unquote reporter, <laughs> asked Joe Biden at the very end of a media media scrum while people are, are are walking out. He yells to him whether inflation is a liability um, for the Democrats in the midterms. And it's such a fucking stupid question to anyone who has half a brain and knows anything about money and the economy that, you know, inflation's never a good thing. Right. Um, and this is off the, the this is off the tale of, um, you know, inflation being about seven percent for the last year, which is, is very high. That's that's very high. Um, <laughs> Things are good. It's <laughs> not very good at all. Um, but Joe Biden hears that question and he just says yeah like you know very sarcastically yeah uh inflation yeah that's gonna be a real asset but then what, what was exactly he's he an said? asset politically oh i have it in front of me all right hit, hit he us said, Bobby. <laughs> what a stupid son of a bitch <laughs> you know why i have it in front of me mike there's already memes okay the meme i'm reading now says he thinks donkey kong is diddy kong's father what a stupid son of a bitch <laughs> Shout out to President Biden. Letting me down in many levels right now, but you know what? He didn't let me down with that one. He, I don't think he lost one vote. <laughs> I don't I, think I, he I, lost one vote. And I really appreciate that um, within a few hours, maybe not even a few hours, um, but in a, in a very short time period, um, they found a clip of Pete Ducey asking John McCain a real stupid question as well. And John McCain just right at John McCain. That was for sure. Like, yo, he knew the camera was on him. And it was like right in the middle of an actual like interview question where John McCain just straight up to his face just says, why would you ask me such a stupid question? <laughs> and basically just calls him an idiot um, on two or three separate occasions in like a minute and a half. Um, so it's nice to know that Pete Ducey has been asking dumbass questions for uh, for a few years now. Steve, whatever. Say, uh, again, irrelevant. All right, real quick, Rumble picks. I got D'Lo Brown and Molly Holly. Mark, who you got? Go for Kane and the Big Show. <laughs> All right, one of those winning the female one, no problem. Mark, Mike, who are your picks? <laughs> Wait, you think D'Lo Brown is going to be in the Rumble? Yo, you're messing with the real deal now, okay? Um, I gave you two I, people who aren't going to win it, Mike. I'm making a joke. Don't step on oh, it too much. Okay, I was Mark just mentioned two dudes. One's the mayor of a city. You, you the said other one's a different two governor. people for the Rumble. I didn't know there was a men's and females. There was no, <laughs> yeah, there was no right, precursor so if, here. If we're, picking, if we're picking people that we know have absolutely no chance of winning it, I'm going to go with uh, John Moxley and huh. uh, Ruby Soho. Oh, I do like the people who think that just because they got Mickey James coming, they're like, oh, they're all coming back now. Oh, no, you know what? I changed my mind. Mickey James, there we go. Oh, uh, Mickey, she's definitely going to win this thing. Mickey James is going to come in. She's going to eliminate like three jobbers or mid-carders. 
and then get eliminated. You know what's going to happen? She's going to say, okay, Mickey, we need you to go in there. Uh, you eliminate one person, two people. You'll be gone in, you know, six minutes. And Mickey's going to say, can I go out there with my Impact World title? And they're going to say, yeah, but then you're, you're just going to get thrown out within 12 seconds. So then Mickey's going to have to do, like, do the math. Like, is it worth it to bring this title out or not? I don't know why. I don't know why she's... um. Yeah, because they fired too many people to have 30 women in the Rumble. That's no, it. I don't, I don't know why she decided to... Like to agree to it, money. Oh. oh, I guess that's a pretty good reason. That's <laughs> so why do we do things. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you all so much for listening. There's no UFC card this weekend. Um, I don't think if there is, whatever. Um, <laughs> there's a Bellator one. Ryan Bader's defending his heavyweight title against a Russian interim champion who's got like nine decisions in ten fights. So, good luck to everybody watching that fight. Um. See y'all next week. We're going to talk about Jack, Dancing Jack Hermanson versus uh, Sean Strickland. Uh, maybe we'll talk about this fight that was just announced. Dan Hooker going back down to featherweight um, to face Arnold Allen. That's an exciting one. See if we remember to talk about that next week. Um, Till then, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. And that was Lavender Gooms. We thank you so much uh, for listening to the podcast. And fuck the Rams. Go 49ers. Peace out. See ya.